This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve get spooked talking about the paranormal, ghosts, premonitions, and a wicked haunted hotel in New England while we review the innkeepers from 2011, Ty West's sophomore outing and follow-up to his breakout House of the Devil from 2009. Join us as we give Zach Baggins the night off to embark on our own ghost adventure and rap about the Yankee Peddler Inn as depicted in the film and its real-life rumors of hauntings and unexplained occurrences. Defend the honor of another patron saint of the porpoise, a one Leonard Kravitz, and we'll try to find out just what in the fuck the saying, I'm a pumpkin, I gotta kill the snake, means. There is no record of this. If you know what this saying means, or you've heard it before, please contact us. The porpoises, midnight companions and keen observers, packed up, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed their proton packs out the back and they split to try and confront the phantasmagorical horrors within the Yankee peddler. Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Let's wax this spectral porpoise. Don't do that. You see, we we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. Uh, a friend of mine that I had in high school who we used to call Ugly Metal Tom because he was a very ugly guy and all he did was listen to metal and his name was Tom. And... <laughs> He he was like a perfect version of the guys in that movie. We would always like fuck around making up metal like band names or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the the one that we loved the absolute most that people hated the most was pediatric gynecologist with like the crazy script. <laughs> oh yeah, the the like death metal like it looks like a a a thing a bush full of thorns. Yeah, and we would tell people that, and these are like sick people that we would tell that to, and they'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you guys, man? It was awesome. Because like, it, it would always foul. take them a second to do the math, like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Pediatric. Because at first I think geriatric, it's like, oh, that's kind of fun, and it's like, oh, no, this, yeah. this is hard the other direction. <laughs> I'm on 12 Vicodins smoking on Scooby-Doo dick. (laughs) What is that? I think his name is Filthy Frank. And there's these things called like the Vampire Docs or the Vampire Chronicles, like one through three. And it's this dude that's pretty deranged looking. That's like, seems like a a Hunter S. Thompson fella. And he's Mm. just going on these wild, like talking about how fucked up he is. Like this one. I'm on them Broward County Tic Tacs. It ain't nothing to me, man. I'm a dog. Smoking that Whoopi Goldberg South Egyptian Fur Burger Deluxe. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, dude, I took way too many notes for this fucking movie. All right, welcome back to Waxing the Porpoise. We are back again. This time we're on episode 79 gathered to discuss The Innkeepers from 2011, directed by Ty West. Uh, As usual, you got myself, Jim G. Baby, 
Unless you have some Schweppes or something like a Nantucket Nectar, get lost. <laughs> and to my virtual right, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Go outside, nerd. Get out. Go. I ain't got time to be distracted by your worthless chime ass. Go on. How's it going, man? Doing good. What was that from? I recognize that. The Righteous Gemstones with uh, Danny McBride on HBO right now and John Goodman, Adam, DeMamp, Divine, and that dude, Walton Goggins, appeared in the second season, I think, and now he's become like a main character. He's fucking funny. He's awesome. We tried watching the first season, and I don't know, maybe it was just the mindset or mind state i was in at the time but i just couldn't get into it and then I, I gave up after i think two or three i watched all of season one it was it was a bit of a slog kind of to me which i know people are real high on the show right now but i don't know for for me i couldn't really get into vice principles either which walton goggins is also in and he's real good in um i don't know for me i i think it he's typecast as as um uh kenny powers like I can't get yeah. over that kind of clip, but the the first season is pretty solid. I like John Goodman. I'm glad to see him like doing stuff with younger actors and holding his own and being just as funny. You know, it's kind of it's interesting to see him in his old age, like riffing with a younger talent pool, I guess, um, and doing well. Uh, season two, yeah, I fell off pretty hard, but yeah, I think they're on season three now and it's, it's still, it's a, it's a pretty big draw on HBO. People love it, but yeah, that Walton Goggins dude, he, it, it's funny. We were talking about Jeff. I was like, when he gets older, I feel like that's, that's older, like 40 plus Jeff. Like that's, that's him. I could see that 20 years down the road. Yeah. I can see that. Especially that one where he's like, go on nerd, go outside. <laughs> Dude, 40. That's right around the corner. Yeah. He's more... Goggins, I think he's got to be in his 50s. So, yeah, whenever Jeff gets that age, that's who I, that's who I picture. Baby Billy. He's like this this freewheeling, like, South Appalachian, like, pastor, like, evangelical, like, one of those crazy, like, megachurch pastor kind of characters is who he plays. He plays him real well. Is he, um, is he also one of the guys in A Brother Art, though? Or... Am I, am I doing like a, a I think you're thinking of something someone else maybe I don't I don't remember him from that anyway yeah I think I I think I do mix up those two at least just visually um how you been man anything new what's doing going good? on with you uh, nothing too crazy I had the golf tournament this last weekend played like shit um so business as usual it's fun though you at least have a couple good shots to to carry you through here and there yeah anyway so that was fun how about you anything new going on nope just gearing up for halloween like crazy we've added on a couple uh uh things to our our setup we got the front lawn all set up with the ghostbusters car and inflatables lights the whole thing and then we turned out i cleaned out the garage and we set up black plastic strategically and made it like and put like uh glow in the dark paint on shit and we made like a little maze 
definitely getting into the spirit. I've been watching a lot of spooky shit, um, which this one I'm excited to talk about too because I just got to watch this again. I haven't seen this movie in a couple years, but usually it's it, normally this is like an every spooky season watch for me since it's come out. So I've seen this probably just on a shade under a dozen times, but um, yeah. We're talking about the innkeepers from 2011. Uh, it's kind of—I don't know if it's an indie. I think it is probably classified as an as an indie movie uh, directed by Ty West, who has, in the past couple of years, has kind of jumped up there his level of prestige and fame. With um, I don't know if you've seen previews the past couple of years for X and um, what was the other one? Uh, fuck Pearl with Mia Goth. Have you um, seen previews or heard any hype about X with Jenna I, Ortega and Mia Goth? No, I think I have heard people talk about Pearl, though. Maybe it was on here. Yeah, they did. a. So he did this weird thing. Like he, he released X at, I think it was the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas, a couple years ago, maybe three now. Uh-huh. And when he released it to that festival, at the very end, it was like... uh and then coming up like next year is the prequel Pearl and they had already had it in the can. So people were like, what he already, he, so he shot two movies without any press or anything. So, and X did really well. People liked it a lot. So it had this immediate like groundswell of like buzz. Okay. People were psyched about seeing the prequel to that story. This does sound familiar. And I I feel like I have a picture in my mind of like the, the poster or the picture for Pearl. It's like a gal with an axe or something. Yep. Is that, yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds familiar. I haven't seen any that, of it. Cause X took place in like the seventies, I think. And then the prequel was like a fifties era. So she kind of looks like a flapper, I guess you would, you'd say. And she's like holding an axe and then that, that's Mia goth. That's the main gal. And then, then he, after that, he came out and he followed up with, uh, he was like, Oh yeah. And then we're now we're just filming the, the third in the trilogy and it's called Maxine with three X's. And then, so it's a sequel to X. So it started out X prequel and then jumping forward to the third in the trilogy is like, takes place in the eighties. So, uh, I was reading some fun comments about this one and I saw so many references to house of the dead. Have you seen house that? of the devil house of the devil? That's what he did two years prior to this one, The Innkeepers, in 2009. That was kind of his breakout. Well, really, his breakout was, well, yeah, it was, probably, it was House of the Devil. Um, Is that one pretty good? It seemed like people really like liked it. that one more than this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, th- th- when you compare those two, or this, Innkeepers, and um, House of the Devil, it, it seems to split people pretty much 50-50. You're either, and then there's some, too, like me, like, I like them both. If I had to put them against each other, I probably would give the edge to House of the Devil, but that's without taking anything away from this. There's just something about it, like a maybe it may it is a little bit quicker because this Innkeepers is a very slow burn, uh, so it's it's not as a slow burn as that. So I think automatically that buys credit with a lot of most audiences right away. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a slow burn as long as, as long as the payoff is worth it, you know? Yeah. I mean, house of the devil is kind of a slow burn too, but it's, it's got a little bit more going on. There's more characters. Uh, the story is a little bit wilder. Um, but 
Yeah, I would say even if you didn't like the Innkeepers, I would say House of the Devil is definitely worth a shake. Uh, it's really, it's. I think some people consider this the Innkeepers as like a sophomore slump where he broke out, like his freshman like phenom kind of yeah. success was House of the Devil, and people were like, "Oh shit, this is like a new voice in horror." It came out in t- two thousand nine. You know, a younger kind of a younger filmmaker. Um, Man, expectations really can fuck you. Yeah, they can. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's kind of had a weird ebb and flow. And then like, and then now in like 2020, 2021, whenever X came out, he's riding a new wave of like, he's kind of untouchable right now. It seems like, like he's riding a, he's riding a good one. Yeah. Cause I went into this not knowing who he was or anything about his resume or anything. And I, I really liked it. So yeah, that was going to be my next question, what you thought of The Innkeepers. You dug it? Yeah, I really liked it. I I, I don't Sweet. understand. I saw a lot of really weird reviews that I don't really understand. I actually wrote down a bunch of them, or like a handful. And it, it, I just didn't understand some of the criticisms. The critiques, like, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the first one I saw, it said, if The Innkeepers could be something else than a film, it would be COVID-19. What does that even mean? Yeah, I can't. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I've got another one here that I'm <laughs> I'm holding back what because the fuck I think does I, that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> but I've got another one here that I think is going to break your heart, so I'm going to hold on to that for a while. Uh, okay. Yeah, I I, mean, I have a, a salty review that's a one out of ten from IMDb uh, that that's the title is simply a waste of time um that's really dumb uh so yeah i'll save that for later too but uh cool i'm I'm glad you dug this one i i was kind of on the fence like i was like i don't know man because i i felt like this is the kind of slow burn that's just that was going to be a gear too too slow for you and then i thought some things might be a little sophomoric to you but uh when I really, when I brought it home, I just finished it last night, like watching it like a second time, second and a half time through. I was like, I, th- I think this is going to be enough to pull through. But yeah, I mean, there were, there were a couple things that <clears throat> rubbed me the wrong way, um, but nothing, nothing too crazy. I mean, I mean, once again, looking at the IMDb and Rotten Tomato scores is so confusing to me. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't, I don't think I would have guessed any of these. So IMDb is 5.5. Weird. Uh, In Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have it at 80 and the people at 42. I don't, I don't understand that at all. That, that one I can actually kind of see now in my, in, I, maybe that's just based off of like, I, I did go through a bunch of IMDb reviews and it did seem pr- like, and those those are all um, uh, audience reviews on IMDb uh, that the people write in and leave their score. And they se- they seem to be pretty low. Like, it seemed to be 50-50. Like, there was a lot of one through fours and then a lot of, like, seven, eight, and nines. So I was Weird. like, looking at, informing the, the Rotten Tomatoes, like, I could kind of see that on the audience. And I think overall, too, because I think for most people, not to sound high and mighty, like I, oh, like I, I have the capacity to, 
enjoy and savor a slow burn, but I just feel like in general, this it it does feel like um, a tough sell for most general audiences, like how slow this can be in you know, spots. It, it might have also been a little bit for me when we were talking about it last week, you had said like, this movie's pretty fucking scary. Or, you know, you had told me up front, like, yeah, this one's got some, some scary shit in it. So yeah. maybe, maybe going into it, I was like, all right, I'm just, I'm going to hang in here. Cause I know it, it gets good. So maybe, mm-hmm. Maybe if I hadn't known that, I'd be like, where are we going with this? This isn't scary. It's not funny. It's just mm-hmm. me, like meandering. But uh, I liked it. I mean, my Sweet. biggest my biggest complaint. Do you want to guess what I didn't like about this movie? Or who I didn't like in this movie? Yeah, I was going to say, is, is it a theme or a part of the movie? Or is it, uh, it an, is an acting Kelly presence? McGillis. <laughs> she is not a good actress. She's a bitch in this for sure. Um every yeah, time, I, every, every like, line of her, her dialogue, I was like, I don't believe you. I'm very aware that I'm watching a movie right now. Even the I mean the kids I thought did a way better job. But she was so like I don't know. I mean her character was obviously obnoxious, but I just thought her acting was horrible. And yeah, it's no Top Gun. That's for damn sure. I've seen her in a few things, including um, before pre Top Gun. She was in a little movie called Witness with uh, Harrison Ford, uh, where she plays an Amish mom, and he and like her son Lucas Haas witnesses a murder perpetrated by spoiler alert Danny Gloves. And um, wow, thanks. Guess I won't they, watch it they show it in the first five minutes. Um, yeah. But so it's not really a spoiler, but uh, <clears throat> he's trying to hide it the, re- the rest of the movie. But they're Amish and he sees this in a train station going to see family or whatever. And uh, uh, Harrison Ford like gets onto the case and starts learning some shit. And then he has to go undercover basically and be like an Amish person. And oh, live so it's on like this- Kingpin? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, kind of like he dresses the part and everything. Like he's like working on it. They're raising a fucking barn and shit. There's like a feed session where everyone's out on those like ridiculously long picnic tables. You picture like it's a good flick though, but she's pretty dry in that too. Like she's pretty like straight across the board. I felt like she was pretty dry in this too. Like she's just like, okay, she's the burned out, you know, TV mom that's now gotten into some like new age hippy dippy shit you know like i didn't i was pretty indifferent to her in this but um i mean she she serves uh as exposition and and kind of like uh like a a touch point between like the spirit world and and our our two protagonists uh luke and claire who are played by claire's played by sarah paxton who's like kind of like a minor celebrity actress she's been in a few things she's married to a famous director dude um i was very disappointed to find out she was not related to the patron saint bill Uh, yeah yeah no she's not not related to old good old bill hips paxton um and then what do you think of luke uh played by pat healy i thought he did a good job i mean i was i i just kept waiting for 
what I thought was the inevitable creepy, hey, I like you scene. Yeah. So I'm glad they held back from that. Well, I mean, it happened. It's implied and it's, you can definitely see like he's about to say some stuff. And then also when they're later on, when they've been drinking a few beers, he's like, I I just like you, you know, it's like, it's starting to get into a weird territory here. It's like, you're easily like 10, 15 years older than her. And like, you just seem like a creep in general. Yeah. Like, yeah. So all of that, all of that was consistent with what I thought he was, you know, I love, I love when she borrowed his computer. And she sees all the porn. One of the oh, sites, yeah. one of the sites that he had been looking at was called Butt Crumpets. <laughs> That's my favorite one. I was I was gonna play a game, but I think we're aligned on that. I wrote all, I paused it and I wrote all of them down. So it's like his porn history is Butt Crumpets, home of the. It's supposed to be original Triple X, I think, but it's Organal. So Butt Crumpets, home of the Organal triple x jolly jumping pussies jerky blasters the tit punch all caps the spank shaft tit slap tub girl soup xxx chinese pancakers xxx this is like the most this is the most 14 year old porn history i've ever seen life. like an adolescent from like the early 2000s i mean even his even his like GeoCities style webpage is Dude, I was just going to say, what do you think of his like n- 1997 era like Angel Fire fucking yeah. website? I thought it was sick, obviously. S- super high contrast. It's like on black screen with like that teal, those bright teal or bright green and bright orange like brackets, like boxes with dialogue and shit in them. Like, even when they go to like the the videos and it's like under construction and it's got a little guy with yeah. a jackhammer <laughs> like yeah um yeah it's got a very kind of like DIY kind of lo-fi kind of sensibility to it and in retrospect I was thinking about this I I saw a couple comments and I was like yeah it really is true and I I find myself, I don't know, by happenstance or like maybe it's in my subconscious, like I'm gravitated towards these films where like the timeline is kind of uh, nebulous and like, cause this one, it's like Ty West has said, this is just, it just takes place present day without them saying it. But so 2011, like no one uses a cell phone. Mm -hmm. Um, the website he's making is shit like the laptop you know like technology doesn't play a prominent part and like they don't tell the year like they don't tell what city you're in you know so it, it's it does seem kind of it's kind of like that dream logic kind of like with um with it follows is like the the biggest example where they really tried to make it like obfuscate what what the set and setting and time and everything was and there's a little there's a few anachronisms, but this didn't have anything overt like that. But there are a few movies where I like where they kind of keep that like uh, veiled a little bit. Yeah, ambiguous. I like I like it too because sometimes you'll go back and and watch something where they're just including something that was of the time, but it's so outdated that it just right. it just like takes you out of it. Yeah, so I guess that, I mean, obviously that would serve for, like, when you're trying to keep movies, I feel like, that are timeless, you know, like, that you can watch at any time, you know, that they're easily translatable and, um, you know, yeah, they're not, like, 
like some of these films from the eighties and stuff that are pushing like a certain kind of technology. And then it looks really silly. Like when you see shit where it's like, this is the most like uh capable high highest highest end computer. It's got a fifty six six K modem. Like, <laughs> yeah, blah, exactly. blah, blah, like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. They have that in like if you go back and watch Hackers now with Angelina Jolie and Johnny oh, yeah. Miller from '96 and all the tech shit that they're talking about in there, it's just not, like they're still they still have like floppy disks they're trading around and stuff. It's like whoa, so many kids would see that, be like, what's that square thing that he had? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they used to come on little disks that would only hold like 256 megabytes of shit, you know, like. All right. Um, so I think to get into this, just like basically without going point by point, we have a couple of nerds, a couple of dorks that work at a like an old timey, like a historical hotel called the Yankee Peddler Inn. Um, and the the scene, the setup is the owner is out in Barbados. He's like just about to sell this place they only got like two or three days left uh that are open it's like a three or fourth story building and they're working their way down they have like the first two floors top floors have been stripped and they're they're just they're it's whittling its way down to be like liquidated or sold or whatever so and i guess this place has some history some haunted history and these two dorks kind of fashion themselves or fancy themselves uh they're kind of into like paranormal stuff and, and it, it insinuates that they've like tried to capture audio and video, like EVP, like low level, like, like weekend warrior ghost hunter shit. And they're thinking like, I think, I think uh, Claire at the beginning says, usually when stuff has happened or when we, you've told me about stuff, it's when there's not very many people here. And it's like, now that we're closing, we have, there's only one guest and it's just you and me. It's like, now it's going to be perfect. So the setup is there. They're, they got their last couple of days on, uh, of shifts and they're, they're trying to get some, some, uh, evidence of the hauntings and the, the haunted history and maybe some EVP stuff, ghost stuff. And in the same time, Luke, like we talked about, he's got this website. It seems like, he was trying to he's he's in a hurry he's like trying to like set this up for like a, some kind of cash grab or he's trying to cash in on the haunted history of of this place or like make a quick buck and i'm like that part felt a little rush and slapdash to me because it's like why would you wait until you only have access to the premises for another 48 hours and then now you're in a rush to like slap this website together and you're trying I mean, maybe that's just him being short-sighted or whatever, but that part kind of felt a little forced to me. It's like you're, you're I mean, putting all maybe, your chips on trying to catch a goat, evidence of a ghost in two days. Like, come on. I mean, or maybe maybe he's thinking about it like, fuck, I'm going to be out of a job at the end of this weekend, so I really need to get this website popping off, so I better, I better find something good to put on here now before they shutter this building and I can't be in here anymore i don't know i don't know it, it didn't it didn't that didn't rub me the wrong way but all right yeah that's me being really nitpicky if i being honest but so yeah that's pretty that's the setup for this and then i like to have like <clears throat> there's not a, a bunch of info dumps there's kind of like uh like we we learn along with claire mainly through like her 
investigation, like when when Luke goes up to sack out, she borrows his computer, and that's when we get the the first snippet about the main, uh, I guess, uh, antagonist, if if you can call it that, is the spirit of Madeline O'Malley, who was, um, I guess, the the history within this movie is she in the eighteen hundreds she was. Um, set to be married and the her her fiance got cold feet left her at the altar or whatever um and i guess they were staying at the yankee peddler and out of grief she hung herself and uh the hotel found out about it and they quickly they didn't they didn't they wanted to save face and they didn't want it to like you know tarnish their reputation uh so they took her and and went down to the, the root cellar and kept her body there for a few days before kind of like shuffling her away through this loading bay or whatever and, tra- and getting rid of the body so no one would know. But then sure enough, the town finds out later on the building's like condemned for, I don't know, decades and says something about like in the sixties, it had new ownership and they opened up. And ever since then there's been weird hauntings and unexplained phenomenon that are attributed to this Madeline O'Malley. Um, so that's the haunted history of this hotel. And then, so you kind of see like the, a day in the life of these two working the front desk at this, this prestigious old hotel. Uh, I guess what's cool is this is actually, it's a real place. It's a, they didn't build any sets. They shot on location and the cast and crew actually stayed in this hotel. I think it was like a three week shoot. And uh, they stayed there. It, it's in, they didn't say this in the movie, but it's actually in Torrington, Connecticut, which is a kind of a bedroom community of 30,000 people in uh, Connecticut. Um, it seemed very and, Northeastern. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely get like a New England kind of vibe going on for sure. So does which the actual. I like this time of the year too, because it meant like when I think of New England, I think of like Salem and like witches and like. Like that northeast portion, like I, I definitely it puts you right in the mood. So I think this this fits in nicely as a Halloween watch without it being overtly within yeah. the season. What were you gonna say? Sorry. So do you know does he does the actual hotel have any sort of paranormal history or is it just? It does, but it's it's kind of nondescript and it's not it 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 doesn't center in on like you know this family or like this person it's just like over the years because yeah. i think it was built in like 1890 or something like that and it ch- it's changed hands like 10 times before like the main owners that had it for like 30 years um and then it kind of fell into a state of disrepair i think in 2014 they ended up selling it and then uh, this developer came in and in 2014 and was like and closed it down and started like major rehab and like like remodeling it, tearing it, tearing it down and building it back up. And they lost um, a, a key financier. So ever since 2014, it's been in like it's like an eyesore. And I actually just saw in research for this in July. So what the the town of Torrington is trying to do is trying to uh, put it into like receivership because it's been vacant for so long. The town's trying to buy it because they want to, because it's a blight on the community. They want to buy it, rehab it, 
sell it to a developer or keep mm. it as like a historical monument and have tours or whatever. And I guess this guy who owns it is just fighting tooth and nail, like with his, his legal counsel and they just pushed it to another continuance for like another three months. So it's kind of crazy that it's still in like this limbo and it's just an eyesore yeah. in this town. Huh. That's interesting. But, uh, all that aside, uh, the cast and crew, including the director and then Sarah Paxton, I saw on a featurette, they talked about they they actually had some weird experiences like knocking and lights going out, doors slamming. And like she, the, the main gal who plays Claire, she said she was freaked out the whole time that they filmed there. And a lot of the other, there were some other older um, like cast and crew that chalked it up to like there was a lot of young kids working on the production as well that they like they'd stay up late and party and they were just fucking around they chalked it up to that but ty west uh, the director said yeah there were, it had some weird vibes like it was a it was a creepy place to shoot at so i thought that was kind of fun it, yeah it'd be, it'd be cool to find out later that the other people were fucking with her to like to get her in the mindset of being genuinely that, scared. Yeah. Like a like a indirect method acting kind of thing like <laughs> Yeah, well like we talked about in the um the Children of the Corn, the part where she pulled the sheet bag and they had told oh, yeah. her that oh it's just a it's a dummy, the kid's not under there cuz we we couldn't put a kid out there and then when she pulls it back and the kid fucking jumps up and actually yeah. scares the shit out of her. <laughs> one of the one of the pieces of trivia I saw was that when when Luke shows her the the video yes. with like the jump scare that they didn't tell her because like they wanted to get like a genuine reaction and it, and it <laughs> apparently scared the piss out of her, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah I love, I love that, that piece I love of trivia. That kind of stuff. Yeah, if you I went back and watched that part a couple times because it's super funny, but it's also funny to see Pat Healy's reaction to that laugh that he has when she freaks out seems very like genuine, like like real life. Like he didn't know if it was gonna work or not, and it did and scared the shit out of her and like Oh, see I should definitely get a kick out of watch it. it after knowing that little piece of trivia. Yeah, you can see it on his face and his laugh. It's like the most animated he is in the <laughs> entire movie, you know, besides the end when he gets like really freaked out. But um, yeah, I, I saw that too. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. Like that looks like he's like really, he it really hit his tuning fork that he was able to get her and it's on film. I guess that was a, a one take, one shot and they, they ran with it, left it the film. So I'm always a big fan of stuff like that too, that happens like kind of happenstance and like it ends up working it, like, a, you know, uh, you just, you just try something and it ends up sticking and that's what you see. So, um, yeah, so they're kind of, kind of, I mean, meandering's a good word, I feel like, but in a good way, this, this, that's what this film does. You kind of follow these two around and, and it's a little ho-hum and then they're dealing with, you know, one, one guest that's uh mother and son They're and they're real shitty to deal with. And like, where's my towels? And, and then we get Kelly McGillis enters the fold and she, she ends up becoming a piece of the story for sure. And there's a, there's an interesting thing about that. I wanted to talk about later, but like, uh, I like how she's like one of these new age, like a healer, and she, and she has supposedly the the power to to speak with spirits and stuff. Um, 
so she Kelly McGillis, I guess she, she, her name is Leanne Reese Jones. And they said, she's like, that's the mom from like mother, like son. <laughs> Did you catch that? She's like, she's super famous. She was on TV in like the eighties or whatever. And, and yeah. Luke's like, okay, whatever. Um, and then I put, there is definitely a slight undercurrent at the beginning and it becomes more over, but of like a kind of like a flirty, Kind of like a puppy love kind of thing going on between these two, um, uh, and you you can see that he he definitely wants to be with this chick. Like he's he's got designs on her for sure. Um, yeah, the, the vibe that I got was she thinks of him as like a brotherly figure, and he is a creepy guy just laying in wait. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty perfect. I did like the, um, the scene early on. I actually like the scene with Lena Dunham a lot when she goes to the coffee shop. And do you? Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. What's your history with Lena Dunham? Uh, I don't really know anything about her. I've never seen anything she's ever done. I, I know that I would probably hate her if we were in the same room, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I feel like you would be very anti Lena Dunham. But I, I thought it was weird that she's in here. She serves like no purpose in this. She has this weird cameo. But um, one thing I picked up on. It was, it was on funny. This, it was a funny yeah. scene. And, and then when she goes back, Luke's like, was a psycho girl or whatever he. Yeah. <laughs> was a crazy bitch there. She's like, yep. Yep. I I I liked when uh, she ordered her drink. She doesn't like know what to order or whatever, and she's all, "I have a large soy mocha latte with caramel." I was like, "That doesn't exist. A mocha latte? Those are two I, different things. They're completely. Th- that's like saying, like, I I want a uh, an IPA tequila. Like right. it doesn't it doesn't exist. They're they're you're taking oil and water." Anyway, that kind let of let me like, get a, me like, get a virgin <laughs> vodka tonic. Yeah, let exactly. me get a scotch and water. Hold the scotch. Yeah, let me get a Shirley Did you Temple. Just make a joke, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> all right. So, uh, yeah, Lena Dunham. I. She's people will pick her up from girls. Probably. I think she wrote a book too. That was really that catapulted her, but I'm actually an unabashed fan of, uh, the girls show from HBO. I think it's like 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. But my old lady actually picked up on it. She really liked the show. And I ended up liking the show more than her as it went on like seasons two, three, and four. She was like, God, why do you like girls so much? I was like, it's a good show. Fuck <laughs> off. We're watching it. Um, that's where actually Ad- Adam Driver got his launch to stardom. Uh, oh, really? Kylo Ren from the new Star yeah. Wars. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff now. But yeah, that was his like launching pad. And he plays a really weird fucking, really weird character in that series. But anyway, um, so it looks like so these two they're taking kind of like shifts like i don't know they said seven to seven or something like that so someone's watching the front desk and they both could take rooms in this hotel since it's their last couple days they're just staying there and working out their shifts instead of going home for whatever reason um kind of fits the the story i guess but 
Um, so while didn't, Luke didn't, takes, didn't see a whole lot of work going on there. No, not at all. If I was their boss, like, I would have fired their ass. No wonder they're yeah. going under. Yeah, it's like a running gag. Like, we need towels. Like, we don't have towels. And and Luke's yeah. just like, oh yeah, shit. I'm sorry. It's like that's. If I could, if I could just interject real quick. One of the other. This was like an an unfunny like cunty review that I read. From a, from a gal named Laura Clifford, she said about the only really scary thing about his the innkeepers is the apparent lack of towels when you need them. Oh Christ! Go die! Someone took time out of their life to write that and submit that. Um, and they were probably very. Pardon me, Mister Perfect. Um. Sorry. Yeah. So she calls down. She needs towels. Uh, Claire's a big fan, so she offers to take the towels up. She gives them to her. Uh, Kelly McGillis is a bitch to her. She comes back down. Uh, and then, so I'm curious what you think about this part where, and let me know if I'm skipping ahead too much, where Claire's taking out the trash. Yes. And she looks up and sees uh, Kelly McGillis like creepily looking at her. Uh, Browbeating I mean, her for her, 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 <laughs> her, her trash put away skills. Technique. Oh my god. It was rough, man. So, this part bugged me a little bit when she goes into the garage and she has the whole thing and then she closes the basement door and locks it. Yes. Because when that happened, I was like, why? Why would you do that? That seems weird that it was unlocked, you're locking it now, and then the camera stayed on that locked door for just like shadowing, bro. For a second too long to where I was like, well, this is obviously going to come back to be a big problem later on. Really? So, you caught that first I when I saw this when I was younger, I didn't pay any heed to that. It was probably like not to like the second or third watch cuz I'm dumb sometimes. It was like the second or third watch I was like, "Oh, she's sealing her fate right there." Like, "Oh, it's foreshadowing to the the end, you know, like yeah, it's it seems But the jump scare with the pigeon is pretty fucking rad. And yeah. I think just in her like hyper like fear state, she just thought like, oh, I have to close this and fucking lock it up. Like like she was just freaked out and like that's what her mind went to was like close it, lock it. I don't know. That's the yeah. only thing I could come up with why she felt the need to do that. But Yeah. It it was just one of those things where they stayed on it for just a second too long to where yeah. it, it it just piqued my interest. Like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be a thing, I think. Yeah, and it which is, is. Which is fine. Um, so, yeah, we see... Uh, I always thought it was funny, too, when she, she gets that, like, third or fourth try with the trash bag and it ends up doing like a half taco thing like that happened perfect. And then the bag splits and you get the, the garbage Uh, juice running down and she's all ick and she has to like punch it and it fucking just like, that's something that they couldn't have choreographed that, you know? And it like, it worked for the picture perfectly. Like her struggling, like it was like a two year old trying to throw away a bag of trash. It looked like it was, it was a real struggle, but, um, 
Yeah, I think it just served as just kind of like like her station in life. And then, of course, like she looks up and like because earlier she kind of like browbeated her a little bit. She's like, so what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? She's like, oh, I'm just working the front desk here. She's like, oh, just like are real cunty a, about it. Are like, you an actress? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, there's another part. I think it's it's uh just before this. um. When I also thought it was funny when she's looking through the history, she's like, I, "I'm, where's his website? I want to look at the history, you know, of the the place or whatever." And she sees all the porn names, and then at the very end, it's all caps. It's all real hauntings. Like, <laughs> it's like couldn't make it more obvious. So yeah, she oh, clicks I didn't, on that. I didn't pick on that. Pick up on that. It, yeah. <laughs> And then, so that's where that's where we're introduced to Madeline O'Malley, us as the the viewer, and her. She's come up to speed on it. She hears a few noises, and then she grabs the audio equipment while Luke is sacking out. And then she's like, you know, taking recordings from different rooms. And I love this jump scare where uh, you see Pat Healy, Luke, walk through and stand behind her. And she's got headphones on and she's got like the mic and she's like fucking paranormal investigating. And then he taps her on the shoulder. And he's like, I don't want to scare you, but I'm standing right behind you. And she loses her shit. It's like, <laughs> uh, I've been on the other end and I've been on the attack mode of that where someone's like in their element and they have headphones and it's like. I need to speak with you. The only way is to startle you. It's like, it's going to fucking happen. So yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a lot of fun. I wonder if that's another one of those things too, where it'd be smart. as like as a filmmaker to get a, a real reaction. Like if they didn't tell her like this part of the scene and they just had her put headphones on and do this. And he's just like, crap. Hey, I mean, unless she freaked out the first time they did it, she's like, don't ever do that again. Yeah, and then they just <laughs> scrapped it, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna do this scene now today." Um, is that is okay. that is that the scene when he's going to bed? And I wrote this down, but I didn't put the full context. So now I'm trying to remember what it was. Where he's like, "I'm a pumpkin, gotta kill the snake." As I wrote that down too. That's so weird. You picked up on that because I've I've missed that every other viewing except for this time. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I have no idea. Dude, I did some pretty deep, like... Is it like, like a Cinderella reference? Like, I need to go to bed because I'm going to turn into a pumpkin. But I don't understand... The snake symbology? Um, symbology? Yeah, I was like, I, I turned into... jerk off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I turned into Chris from Mount Molehill for a second for like 35 minutes and tried my damnedest to figure out like, what does this mean? Is this a saying? Is this a Southern? That, or a, that is a what New he England? said, right? It's not, it's not. He did. Misheard. I went back like four times. He's like, I'm a pumpkin. I got to kill the snake. And he's like, I think before that he says, all right, I, I'm going to go sack out or something about like, it was his turn to go to sleep or something. Yeah. And then he throws that cryptic fucking, I couldn't find anything online. So I don't know if that's just Pat Healy being weird. And that's like a super uh, like autobiographical scene from his family or, you know, one, one of the writers or something. But yeah, that one definitely threw me through a loop. Like I couldn't even, I was starting to like try to wrap my head around like what that could mean. Yeah. I, I got nothing. So 
Yeah, I definitely made a point this time because it's weird. None of the other times that ever stuck out to me, but this watch too, I was like, that's, that's a wild statement fella. Yeah. Cause if you're Claire, like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? What, what does that mean? Gustafson straight as a grizzly's dick. He'd never cheat on his taxes. He sees love um, letter. <laughs> um, where are we at here? Well, is this okay. where is this where she gets freaked out? So she gets the, freaked out by him. Then she gets freaked out by the bird, or large ass pigeon, or whatever in the root cellar, storm cellar, tornado shelter, basement. Because there's like a loading area, like a, a garage of sorts that then leads down. Then they have those set of doors that swing out and that goes down into the basement. That's the part where she gets freaked out by the bird and chains it up. Yeah. So I thought before before he scared her, or maybe it's after, she she went to the piano and saw it play itself. And then yes, she that's goes the to, next big. That's the next big scare is when she's she starts in the laundry room. She's like sitting cross legged, and she's got the EVP. She got the headphones and everything on. Which, but I didn't want to skip this real quick. Like the way that they shoot that scene, where they show the the POV of her, and then it the camera comes back and shows her in that laundry room. Just like the vibe, the aesthetic, and the sound design when she, I don't know if you noticed this too, like she would take her headphones off and like the audio for you, the viewer would be different. I think there was another movie that did this to to really good effect. The audio design in this film was pretty rad. I felt like, like the stings were good. And then like the, the audio that like when they're ghost hunting, quote unquote, um, was done really well and uh but yeah that whole scene when they start out in the in the laundry room is super creepy and she's like okay nothing here then she moves on to the banquet room and she faintly hears like piano like really faint keys and that's when she takes one of her earmuffs off and you don't hear anything and the audio changes for you the the viewer she puts it back on and she hears this faint piano so she's drawn to this lobby banquet front area where the piano is and she gets up close to it and then two of the keys just jam down like dong and she's like ah fuck freaks her out that's when she goes back up and she's banging on his door like hey luke you gotta come out of here you gotta come out and she he wakes up and he's like fuck man i still got two hours of sleep left you know like what the fuck she's and that's like, when really he's uh, scared and that's when he's got the tidy whities on and she's like yeah, fuck it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, uh, you know what? I, I think I'm good. I think I just freaked myself out a little bit. There's a little bit of trivia about that, too. I guess it was like laundry day or something for Pat Healy. And he had this old pair of like ratty, like uh, uh, underwear, like where the rub- the band on the rubber for like the, the waist was like busted. And they just they look like really shitty like underwear and he's like, oh, I'm just going to wear them. And the, the director was like, yeah, that, that definitely, that fits your kind of your whole thing you got going on. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of a backhanded, like you're just a slovenly fucking creep that wears. Like, yeah. That, that underwear goes with for your trailers. pathetic person character. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Do that. I wasn't a big fan of his mo- faux hawk or whatever the fuck. He was a weird, reminded me of like Roger from Doug. That weird fucking looks like yeah. three pieces of bacon. Like, <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, so you go almost an entire hour in this movie 
before you get to the first big scare when she's like, I'm just going to go to bed. And then you see the, the dude. Okay. This scene is the motherfucker for me. This is the one that gets me every fucking time this time. Not so much because I had overhyped it to you, I think. And in my own mind. So this time I, I was like hyper aware of when it was going on. But like when I give this like a year, a couple years in between and like, I, Cause it is such a slow burn. It kind of, you get lulled into a false sense of security and like the scene, like, I think it, it does it perfectly. Like the, what the, the way it sets it all up. Did, was this a pretty creepy part for you? Yeah, it, dude, I got like <laughs> chills. So I don't really get, I don't really get scared by movies, but I do get like chills every once in a while. Like, Ugh! yeah. And yeah, this was dude. one for sure. It, it kind of reminded Fuck me yeah. of, I know we, I think we talked about this just recently, but the scene in Hereditary where the mom like turns the light off and she looks over and she sees her mom's ghost just like standing there Mm -hmm. and it doesn't cut away. It just stays right there. Mm -hmm. And fuck, that's the only thing I can equate it to. Just, yeah. Yeah, I love this fucking scene. This this is like one of my favorite like it's not even like a jump scare. I think you can classify no. it as a jump scare technically, but no. it's not like it's no, it's, it's like not. The, it's not like a ugh, like something like, sh- shoots up on the screen. It's it's like a slow burn version of a jump scare. It's the opposite. It's like a no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cuz you're trying when to you tell yourself you see the sheet rising and you're like, yes. oh fuck. The the design with like the blood coming out of the eyes and the pure white iris or entire eyeball being all white and the blood from the mouth and just the veil and the pasty white and the the dead bride. Something about that, dude. It just fucking I remember the first couple times I watched this, I had the uh like this is probably what I sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, shit, like Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own when he kisses the old lady and realizes he just kissed this, like, 90-year-old bat. Dude, fuck. Who's Lou? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this this is my probably my favorite scene of this entire movie. I'm glad that it got you. Fuck yeah. I'm usually wrong because I'm at the end of the day, I can be kind of a pussy when it comes to scary stuff. So like some things that I find scary, like people are like, nah, well, I'm fine. That wasn't that scary. It feels kind of validating yeah. that this is a, a really creepy part. Cause this one, this is like gotta be top three, top five, like shit. That's freaked me out in a movie. Really? It's just that slow oh. fucking some about it, man. And then at the end too, when it shows her and it's just like the slow creep towards you. It's like, you know, you don't know what she's going to do. It's not going to slice your head off or it's just like being face to face with that thing. And it's real in that moment. And it, the way it looks, I don't know. And it's just like inching towards you at the end when she's at the basement. Something about that just fucking freaks me out. It's kind of like when you're in, like uh, if you've ever had those nightmares where you can't get away someone's coming up on you and they keep getting closer and closer and you're like fumbling for your keys to your front door or your car whatever it is it's kind of it was kind of like that feeling like inescapable 
yeah. but it yet drawn out like a motherfucker and you're like present with that fear or that horror or whatever that thing is right nipping at your heels. So I think it taps into that kind of primal thing for me. I I have scary dreams sometimes where I'm trying to like shoot somebody and either and your like, aim is just shit. No, it's either like the bullets aren't doing anything or the gun doesn't work and the person just keeps coming and it's like, why won't you fucking die? God. Yeah, that's got to be really frustrating too. I've had some like that where my aim is just wilder than shit. Like, and like I'm shooting, like there's someone like six feet away from me and I'm missing them by like three feet in like every direction. <laughs> it's like so frustrating. Um, Awesome. Yeah, that to me, this is like this is one of the best parts of the film because um, it it makes it starts making you question, OK, is this really in this gal's mind or is this really happening? And it because it kind of seesaws on that uh, towards the end of the flick, I guess right before this, too, we get I think what what's what kicks this off is um, Claire goes and talks to Kelly McGillis and starts getting into her background she's like oh i'm a healer now and i fucking do this and that and she's and then claire's like yeah this place got it's like like uh it's got a haunted history and this there's this magdalene uh madeline o'malley she's like i just want to know about her and like if there's something we can do to help her or, or whatever like uh and then she's like oh funny you should ask if you want to communicate you know i have this fucking crystal pendant like thing and we can communicate we can tap into the spirits you know um uh and then so she does this little mini seance thing with the crystal and she's like okay i'm seeing there are three entities or three spirits here um and then you can see the look on her face the music kind of she's like disturbed a little bit she's like there was a tragedy here something something bad is calling from the basement and she becomes even more disturbed. And then the, the crystal thing starts spinning that she's holding in her hands. And she's like, under no circumstances are you to go to the basement of this hotel, Claire? Like you need to stay away from the basement at all costs. Well, you, you delivered it better than she did. She's like, you must not go to the basement. It was so oh, okay. shitty and stilted. Yeah. <laughs> but she inserts that part. So then, um, uh, so after we get that main, I also thought it was fun too because when we get that main jump scare, she gets up out of the bed, she flips the lights on, you don't see anything, and then her alarm clock next to her bed goes off, and I think it said like one nineteen or like two nineteen in the morning. It's buzzing off. You can't hear me. Your audio cut out there for just a sec. Maybe it was on my end. Maybe it's on yours. It could have been mine. I could have I could have stepped away from the mic prematurely, but um after she turns on the lights and doesn't see the spirit there, then the alarm clock it like zooms in on the alarm clock, it's like two nineteen or whatever, and then it starts blaring. And then she freaks out, she's like, Ah and she fucking runs, which tells you she didn't set the alarm, so it was like, you know, maybe some paranormal fuckery or whatever, like saying, like, Yeah, that was actually me. Like you're being fucked with right now. So she runs down the stairs and she's all freaked out. Um, yeah. Could I, could I interject real quick? Yeah. To something, to something you said a second ago. Um, you, you had God, mentioned like way too many notes for this. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned something about at this point, we don't know if, if this is really happening or if this is in her mind. 
that thought did not cross my mind at all. Really? You were taking it face value? Yeah. And and I don't think... I think think I did the first few times as well. Yeah, because, I mean, when I watched it to the end, I just thought, like, oh, yeah, this was a haunting, whatever. But then when I started reading about it, and I'm sure we'll get into it in a minute, but the, the theory that maybe none of this ever happened, it didn't even cross my mind at all when I was watching it. So, Yeah, I was the same exact way. I have the benefit of, I, I saw this pretty early after its release. I think it, I, I saw it around 2013-ish, 2014, when it had released to like DVD and, and broader media because it had a really small, it had a festival run, it had a really limited theater release and it picked up steam in like 2013-ish when it got released on DVD and streaming and stuff. Um, but I was the same way. Probably first two or three or four viewings probably, I took it at face value. Like, yeah, this is a ghost haunting. and I didn't read into anything further, but over yeah, i've had the the luxury of time and then now really like being hyper focused on this um the past few days before recording and like trying to look up because i've seen it so many times i want to try to pick something out of it and i mean i'm ashamed to say i didn't i wish i would have picked up on this like many viewings earlier i mean they try to they they kind of lays in some stuff with her inhaler showing like every time she gets freaked out she has an inhaler so it's like a stress inhaler it's not it's not the other kind where i I, there's some differentiation there's some people that need it after like they get fucking freaked out or stressed out to like stabilize their breathing and or circadian rhythm or whatever the fuck um and that's it seems like that's her because every time she gets like really anxious or freaked out she's got to hit that fucking asthma inhaler so there's that then there's also um uh kelly mcgillis linda reese jones when she's talking she's like there's spirits here she never mentions madeline o'malley she never mentions any name and then later on she also talks about too like like when she's trying to explain this shit to luke luke's like hey how's all this uh psychic shit work lady you know um and then he said she says uh it's kind of like deja vu only my deja vu sometimes happens in another direction i can experience certain things before they happen um so part of the theory that's out there and that i was i finally had uh come to understand and, and see as a viable uh, explanation as well was that she was sensing she was looking forward into the future and she was actually seeing Claire's misfortune happen when Claire's thinking she's talking about Madeline O'Malley but they don't say that and then she also does have a line in there too about like but I'm very careful about what I say and what I do because I don't want to affect things. Or she says something about, well, why didn't you just, if you saw Claire and you knew this was going to befall her, why wouldn't you say something to take steps to avert it? She says something to like, uh, clear her of that. Like she doesn't know all the details, but something tells me like now, like one of the interesting things about this film is to like, look at it, like maybe, she was she she knew what was going to happen or parts of it she didn't know all of it but it had involved claire and maybe by trying to tell her like it's you 
or you, like you need to get out of here, otherwise something bad's going to happen to you. And this is what my vision is and what I'm seeing. Maybe that'll make it worse or something. Or maybe there. It, well, I mean, uh, there's a question about fate and destiny. Like, like Luke says earlier in the film too. Like, you know, like everything happens for a reason. You know, you don't end up at the Yankee peddler for no reason. And then at the end, like uh, Reese Jones is like, you know, there's nothing I could have done about it. Like, like that it was like fated. So then you can start thinking about, you know, that kind of circle jerk philosophy shit, but I don't know really where I was going with that, but let's back up a little bit because I think where we left off was, um, she gets freaked out. Her and Luke start drinking. He's hammered after two whole beers, (laughs) two entire beers. That's when he gives her the creepy, like, I'm yeah. about to come on to you speech. And she's like, why don't we go down to the basement? And he's like, cool, let's fuck. Yeah. And then they go down there. I like that because she's like, oh, I got an idea. And he's like, so do I. What's yours? Yeah. <laughs> like, we know what your idea is, fella. Yeah. So so they go to the basement and she sees something that he doesn't. He gets freaked out, decides to take off because. He he's admits a that baby back bitch. He's a little bitch. He gets scared. He admits Ugh. that all of the things he saw, he didn't actually see. Um, so then she goes to wake up Kelly McGillis. And I think that's when they have their second impromptu little whatever. And that's when she's like, you need to leave or we need to leave right now. And she's like, okay. And then she doesn't leave immediately. Kelly McGillis doesn't leave immediately. Well, no, to red pen you, we do have to jam in here. The old man that oh, comes yeah. in Sorry. just before this, because yes. that's a pivotal part too. So do you want to take it away with the old man in room 353 who comes knocking? Yeah, because he comes in like sort three of quarters just like, of the way through the movie. Yeah. Old guy comes in, asks for a room on the third floor where they've already shut it down, but uh, Claire is like, who gives a fuck? So let's give it to him. And yeah, I thought this was interesting too. Cause Luke right away is like, yeah, I can't do that. I, the, the rooms are stripped. I can't rent you that room. Like he was going to be a real like Dick, a real stickler yeah. about it. But for some reason, Claire's like compelled to like help out this guy. I don't know if it felt forced or if that's trying to like, <laughs> exhibit that like she's like feeding off of like the hotel or or something or like i don't know it seemed weird like why she was so like she jumped in and was like oh no we we can make arrangements for you like i don't understand it didn't really fit her character like why she would go out of her way to make sure yeah okay i don't know I, I might be reading too far into it, but at any rate, yeah, she's like, okay, yeah, if you don't mind, you know, like, we'll get you some, like, the the room's stripped completely, you know, it's not the best accommodations, but if you can deal with that, I'll bring some sheets up for you, and he's like, yeah, that'd be fine. Um, Yeah, Luke just seemed totally checked out, like, sorry, can't do it, and she's like, who gives a shit? I mean, we're closing in two days anyway, like, why the fuck not? Who cares? Yeah, I'm probably reading too far into it, but... So yeah, anyway, old guy checks in. It was apparently his honeymoon suite with him and his wife. Yeah. Uh, so so then once Claire starts freaking out, um, she tries to evacuate the, the two people who are staying there. So she runs up to his room, and there's a suicide note 
outside his room. I didn't, I didn't read the whole thing, but it's like, um, you know, this is where we started our life together. And now that you're gone, I want to be gone too, or something like that. I didn't so, even, this time I did, I totally breezed through that. I didn't even know there was a suicide note. It was something like that. Okay. Uh, be, because I was reading a little bit that they think this guy is representative of Madeline's husband, which I completely disagree with because he never showed up. So why would he come back now? And, no, yeah, to me, I was like, this is a completely different yeah. cast of, of characters here. Yeah, so when she finds him in the tub dead, that was another great scene. Yeah, the way they position him and, like, the slits on the wrist, like, yeah, this that was definitely a fucking, like... It looked very oh, real. shit, yeah. Like, somebody who had bled out and just froze in yeah. that thing, in that state. Uh, yeah, so then she runs back down... For some reason, Kelly McGillis still hasn't left the hotel, even though she just warned Claire about everything. And then she starts hearing stuff from the basement. She goes down. Stop me if this is going too fast. Here, um, wait, wait. There is there is another thing that we have to insert in here too that's pretty important. So it's after the beer drinking, um, and then it's when Claire's like, "Oh, I have an idea," and he's like, "Oh, I do too. What's yours?" Um, She's like, let's go into the, we need to go into that basement. Um, she's like, I got an idea. Oh, she says, I got an idea. Let's go to that basement. Find out what this fucking bitch ghost wants. Like she's got a little bit of liquor. She's got some booze in her and she's feeling brave. And after she's had her talk with uh, Reese Jones, you know, about communicating with the spirit world, I, f I feel like she feels emboldened. Like she can do something to like help the spirit she's not looking at it like a malevolent force like she probably should have like she's she's trying to be like a savior of some kind maybe um but she's like yeah let's go to the basement and fucking do this shit and then luke only does it he's like okay yeah let's do that because he's kind of high on this like uh, i might get laid right now like yeah. i feel like he's totally like i don't want to do this in his mind but we might fuck so let's do this um and then so they're talking in the basement. They have their EV, EVP shit all on. She's like, why do you stay here, Madeline? Like, what? why won't your spirit rest? And then you, you start seeing Luke getting visibly, like, fucking freaked out in this basement. Like, I thought he did a, a really great – I didn't think he was capable of, like, acting, like, emoting this well. Like, from his kind of, like, stayed, like, whatever – fucking attitude like he really sells being freaked out in this basement like the his facial features he's kind of like trembling and like he's fucking freaked out and this is where the cat comes out of the bag where he's like i made i made all that shit up you know which is what claire has predicated this whole thing on like believing him like there is weird shit and like unexplained stuff going on in this hotel and he had been just making it up the whole time but it actually turns out there is shit going on here but um yeah, I just put he he freaks out and he, like he he he's starting to see it because on his recording equipment he sees a couple spikes on his audio dial or whatever and then he starts getting freaked out and he's on the verge of his performing his upum act for those familiar with Saving Private <laughs> Ryan and there's a point he makes like a little noise and he looks like he's going to cry or something like just really freaked out and um and and then Claire's like, she's like, oh, my God, holy shit. She's right behind you. And then he starts trembling more and more. And she's like, 
she's coming closer. And then he goes full fucking up him. And it's like, he pushes her out of the way, runs (laughs) fucking on a dead run out of this basement and freaks out and he goes outside he gets in his car he's like i'm sorry i can't stay here and then that's when he also was like yeah i fucking made all this shit up like there's no there's no hauntings i never captured anything and he fucking leaves and she's like fuck what am i supposed to do that's when she's like her her only last bastion is reese jones up in the up in her room and she's like hey there's shit going on um and i i don't have i need help i don't have anyone here luke fucking left um so that's when they go down to the basement. Yes, they go down to the basement. And Reese Jones breaks out her little crystal shard thing on the chain again. And they go right to the foot of the basement. And she starts looking real weird. And the, the fucking crystal thing starts spinning out of control. And it drops and it breaks into a million fucking pieces. Due to the psychic turbulence or whatever that's going on. And she's like, we're in grave danger. We need to get the fuck out of here right now. You need to get out of here. That's when she's like, okay, yes, but there's this one last thing. Cause she remembers the old man up in 353. That's why she runs up there. That's when she sees him dead. Okay. So yeah. now we're back up to speed. So then she fucking sees him dead. And then, but then the other part too is like, she fucking, she runs out of 353. She closes the door and then she lingers in the hallway for a second. And then it looks at the front door. It says room 353. She opens it back up for a second. And then when it opens back up, then you see Madeline O'Malley, the, the, the ghost bride hanging from the ceiling and looking at her. And then she freaks out again. She fucking runs downstairs. Um, and then she runs back into, it's like the Han Solo. He comes back. Like he's fucking captain save a hoe looks back again. He's like, Hey, I'm sorry. And at that point it looks like he's like, no, no, no. I have to tell you something. Like it's like right there. It's, it seems like he's, he's like, I got to tell you, I have feelings for you or I fucking love you or, or whatever. That, that's what it seemed like. Does that what you caught? Like when he comes back, he's like, no, no, no. I have to tell you something. She's like, no, there's all this wild shit going on. I don't know what I thought. It just seems really weird. Like, dude, it's not the time. Whatever. Whatever it is, yeah. Unless it, unless it's like related to the supernatural, like I have something to tell you. There is no Madeline O'Malley, or something like that. You know, like I created that story that never happened, or right. You know, something like that. Yeah, Even that's a good. Like, I, that's a good thought too. I didn't think about it that way. I I kind of had de- I had him dead to rights on just like, oh, I came back here. I made a mistake. I'm here to. Pre- profess my love you know or like i really like I came you back because i still want to fuck you like yeah, well, yeah obviously but <laughs> um but if he came back to be like uh kelly mcgillis that's my mom and i told her <laughs> to scare the shit out of you um so we could fuck and i'm actually gay and i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> down in in the basement i just wanted to tell you that like uh. Uh, so this brings us back to that point they're embraced there she's like there's all this crazy shit going on um he's like okay relax calm down where's where's reese jones she's like oh she's she's fucking up in her room or whatever i'm waiting for he's like all right you wait here yeah let's split up i'll go get her Totally. Good idea. Um, 
she's like, okay, cool. And then, so she's left her own designs in the banquet room again and she's sitting there and then she starts hearing like this really low, like muffled, like Claire, Claire, like someone's calling to her. So what she do, of course, yeah, let's go back to the basement. That's a great idea. Um, so she goes, she's like being led ostensibly by this voice or whatever that leads her to the foot of the stairs, at the basement. She goes down there. This is another really fucking freaky ass part that freak that I, this is one I always forget about. Um, so it, it's like a shot of her looking up the stairs and she's looking down and then the camera flip, the camera flips to her POV looking down the stairs and then it cuts back once more. And that old motherfucker from three fifty three is throat or his wrist is right behind her. And she fucking looks back and sees him, freaks out, takes a tumble down the fucking stairs, cracks her fucking noggin over the stairs at the foot of the stairs. She's bleeding. She's all fucked up. And then the old man starts kind of traipsing down the stairs towards her. So she's on a dead run. Now she's in the basement full on. She's running down. There's a scene where the camera cuts back. She looks back and it's the old man. He's all naked and fucking bloody. And like, so. She runs and then she gets caught into it. She's like in a dead end situation and there's a door that's locked, that's banging. And then she's, I mean, this is the foreshadowing. It brings us right back to where she locked up those cellar doors. She's trying to bang out of those cellar doors. And then it shows the exterior and it shows the chain and the lock that she had set up previously that spelled her doom. Um, and then when she looks out and again, it's not the old man from 353. It's Madeline O'Malley in her full fucking bride, whited out eyeball like scorpion and the fucking <laughs> blood. And she's just coming just slow as a snail. But slowly but surely, she's like inching up and Sarah's freaking out. I think she drops her inhaler at one point. I feel like they 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 make you see that. But maybe, maybe I'm reading into that too far. But anyway. Yeah, Madeline O'Malley just keeps getting closer and closer, and she's screaming, she's screaming, and then it fucking cuts to black. Uh, and then it's the next day, and we find out Claire's dead. Do they give a cause of death, like when the when she's on the gurney and like the, they the ambulance people are no. there? No? Okay. I can't remember if they say, oh, yeah, it was shock, or it was, you know, whatever. But I think you're led, like, with the asthma and shit, and, like... Maybe she's hallucinating. Like she just had like, I don't know if people can die of fright. Like it's the same as like one of those yeah, things. Like can. You, you can die of a broken heart. There's that syndrome. Like where old people that have been together for like 50, 60 years, one dies, the husband or wife that's still alive. They die very shortly after when previously yeah. they had no problems. Like there's a weird phenomenon. And I know people can die of like actual straight up fright. So yeah. So you can look at it at that angle too. And I think that's why they took links to insert that, you know, she has that kind of asthma. So Yeah, cuz that was the implication I thought too that it was an asthma attack. Mm -hmm. And I I don't remember seeing her drop the inhaler, but I think I think um just from reading stuff after the fact that was the like, implication. Right. It, it would explain why they showed her hitting the inhaler so many times. Right. 
and that time she didn't, and it happened to be in the throes of being like an ultimate freak out with this spirit right on your fucking ass, you know? Yeah, and I think they said like, oh, uh, we found her inhaler at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, and they make a yeah. point and they show Something it like that. in in the the EMT's hand or whatever. Um, I guess one thing that I had a problem this time with was Pat Healy. Like, I didn't really buy his like reaction, like the way he was. Like he he played it pretty like numb, but I don't know if it seemed like they had worked together at least for a few years. And he was also really sweet on this chick. I feel like he, he could have emoted a little bit more, maybe not a ton, but I don't know. I think this is me being a little bit nitpicky too on it. This like 13th no, time I've seen this probably, but I don't know. I think it's a fair point. And then when they were, interviewing Kelly McGillis after the fact like that that whole after the fact part just seemed weird and then they go into Claire's room and then you see the the thing or you don't see it I didn't see it the first time but the what the I've seen some speculation that they say there's a really faint like imprint yeah. or of her yeah in that room it's, and then the door yeah. slam shut Dude, this time, I I don't know the copy that I saw or whatever. I I actually rented this or I bought this movie on fucking Vudu because it was on sale for like $4. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just buy it. So (laughs) it's in my library now. But uh, I rewound it like five times because I remember some like scuttlebutt about that on the internet. Like, oh, yeah, it's really faint. But if you look at the end, it shows her like silhouette or like her ghost. Like now she, I couldn't see it this time. I was like, fuck. It's in the it's in the curtain. It's in the curtain. Damn. Yeah, and, and it's pretty clear. Okay. I, I didn't see it when I saw when I watched it, but I saw a gif. All right. Yeah. So that's that's a kind of a fun little bit too. It's like, is she there? Is she not there? But then, it, I like how it lingers like on her room for like. It it feels like an ungodly amount of time, but it's probably like 20 seconds, maybe 25 seconds where it lingers on the room. And then the door slams right in your face, cut to black, roll credits. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the big controversy is, was the hotel not haunted at all until Claire died? Was there nothing going on? And now she and- is the main haunter it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of in a way yeah because she she's the only person who saw anything you don't really see it from any other perspective ex- except hers yep so what do you think <sighs> Fuck. i mean gun to my head I want to believe in this kind of stuff. And I, I like movies that lean into like, yes, this was a paranormal thing. And I don't like when it's like trying to dress it up. I mean, I do like that. It gives you multiple viewpoints and perspectives and ways to interpret things, but I tend to, I, I want to believe in this kind of thing. So when you're going out of your way to watch a movie, that's a ghost movie. It's like, I want there to be ghosts. So I, 
I don't know. I want, I, I think that maybe that stuff like coupled with like her unique perspective and mindset shit she had going on, like she thought what she was seeing was real, but maybe yeah. it wasn't. Um, and that I'm definitely more on, I think it's more interesting to think about the fact that Reese Jones and her spirit communication and all that stuff, like she was seeing something in the future, but she couldn't, she didn't have all the puzzle pieces together to be like, this is what it is. But I feel like, you know, the don't go in the basement and like not mentioning Madeline McCain, uh, O'Malley at all, like that she was seeing her or she was sensing her. Claire's spirit presence in the basement and befalling this tragedy and becoming this the the new haunter of the peddler inn, you know, like yeah. I think that's that's interesting to think about that in that way. Like she was looking forward into the future and like this is your fate. And they because they touch on fate and destiny a tiny bit. Um yeah. That's my answer, non-answer. Moonlight Graham. What what about you? Where do you where do you sit on like what does this all mean? Like what what's your takeaway, I guess, um, main takeaway from this? I don't know actually. It kinda gone back and forth. Like I like the theory that Claire is just um imagining everything. But I also just like the original version where everything is just played straight up. Mm -hmm. It's tough. I've I've gone back and forth. I mean, I like it that way too, that like those ghosts were like legit and like maybe she was just able for whatever reason to tap in and see those things because she wanted to believe. Whereas you know, Luke is in it for maybe a quick buck or just a way to like make himself seem cool in her eyes, like elevate himself some way. And like where, where he's not really like into it and scared easily. Whereas she's like into it, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Help yourself a few more million copies. Well, fuck that. <laughs> There was another fun piece of trivia where uh, Sarah Paxson was so bad at screaming. Oh, yeah. Did you see this one? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, don't even try. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to not have you scream at all because it's very unconvincing. <laughs> yeah. Even the, the one scene where she does really scream when when she first sees Madeline O'Malley in the bed. And then she gets up and turns the lights on and then the alarm clock goes off and she has that weird scream. It's, 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 it almost feels like it's played like comedically. Like she's like, ah! like, like a bird squawking <laughs> and she fucking amscrays downstairs. Like, um, uh, a couple of pieces of trivia I liked. So the gal who played 
Madeline O'Malley, Brenda Cooney. She never once broke character while playing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley. Cooney's constant silence around the set while staying in character genuinely unnerved Sarah Paxton. <laughs> yeah, that would fucking unnerve me too, man. Yeah, this bitch it. was just like hovering around set, not saying a fucking word to anyone. <laughs> I wonder if those if that was a practical effect too, like the the eyes, like if they had if uh, if she had contacts in that just whited them out, dude. Some just those eyes fucking do something to me, like ugh. all white like that, like milky white, like ugh. It's such a fucking like like horrifying like visual. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, we talked about so, the. Se- so I have one more, or I have two more bad reviews. But can I give you the one that you're going to hate the most? Yeah. This was from, I think Google. Google. Google reviews. This movie is to movies what Lenny Kravitz is to songwriting. Complete failure. <laughs> is was that the whole thing? This movie is two movies. What Lenny Kravitz is to songwriting, complete failure. <laughs> no, Grandma, I didn't get it. I'm so numb. I just hate him. I hate him. I hate him. How dare you? Leonard Kravitz is a gift to the world. Dude, did, did you ever see that thing? It was a couple years ago when Lenny Kravitz was wearing like leather pants. Ross is wearing leather pants. Does anyone ever else see this? <laughs> he Lenny Kravitz was I, th- I think it was during the pandemic, maybe just before he was playing a fucking rock concert and he was wearing leather pants and he fucking did like a like a rock squat with his guitar and he like squats down and the fucking seam right on the Johnson right on the fly fucking splits and his fucking dong just goes hanging. Like he's like thrusting. Yeah, fucking... I think so. Dude, that's, and he, dude, he didn't break stride at all. He didn't give, he gave zero fucks and just kept playing with his fucking tally whacker, just fucking banging out of control. Yeah, he's got quite the basket, man. He made it work for him. But um yeah, that's that's sacrilege. Uh not in my house. Lenny Kravitz. Dude, he's got so many bangers. I do have one more really bad review. Yeah. I got one too to follow this up. I don't even know this person's name. But it seems like a like a bot. Like a international bot. A Russian dis- disinfo agent. Exactly. It says, Hi, everyone. I'd strongly suggest and advise you to not watch this movie as it is very slow and boring. Also, it doesn't have a purpose or any storyline. The film has officially lost the plot. And the director is on drugs. And he's... <laughs> And he's sniffing powder up his ass. <laughs> In the meantime, he's snuffing. Wait, he's sniffing powder out of his ass. He's sniffing powder up his ass. Up. In his the meantime, ass. if you don't want. <laughs> In the meantime, if you don't want to the movie, you should grab some samosas and gulab jamuns. And then they sign off. 
Thank you all. <sighs> yeah, that's that's bot that's bot behavior for sure. <laughs> Sniffing up his ass. How do you do that? That's like looping blow like a powder, like suck like I I've no I don't know personally. I've I've heard there are some people out there that can like you know how like some people can like I can suck in air and burp like no problem like on command. I've heard there's some people that can do that with their asshole and like suck in air and just fart like at will. But powder that's like a bridge too far. I feel like. Um. Did you wash your ass today? <laughs> All right, I got one. Um, so this is from Steve Sylvester from 17 April 2012. One out of 10. A waste of time. Total nonsense. Weak plot, bad acting. The movie is just an empty box. Someone forgot to fill it. Acting is at an amateur's level, except for Kelly McGillis, of course. I'm in horror movies addicted. Sick. So, S-I-C. So I've watched this movie just to add another notch on my belt. But really, it was no fun and not scary at all. At the end of the movie, the girl goes looking for Lee down the basement. And this is so unreal. They were packing their stuff before leaving and the girl thinks Lee was going to play hide and seek? Come on. That tells me a lack of ideas on how ending this movie and not just that. I I can't help you. Go die. Pardon me, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's some really shitty takes on this film. Like I I struggle to not be defensive about it because I feel like it's like <laughs> it's got nuance. It's got some like legit scares. Yeah, it's a slow burn, but it's like fuck rain in your attention span for a fucking one hour of your life. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I I just really like it. It's kind of got like an air like this. It, it ends on a pretty like melancholy kind of note, like kind of a somber, like, yeah, like the way it ends. And I don't know. I just, it, everything about it. I, it just, to me, it adds up to like, I'm a big fan of like ghost movies, like haunting type flicks. And I've seen enough of those to, to know, like, you know, like this is the way you play it. Like, it, it's not an action movie. That's not the, that's not the arena for this kind of thing. You know, like, like scares a mile a minute. I mean, sure. There's stuff like that, that can work, but I mean, I, I struggle to think of something like right away that would fit that bill. But I, I like stuff that kind of creeps up on you and like, you know, you have time to think about and like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is a really good, like creepy, haunted house kind of movie you know that doesn't like pander to you and like make you think a little bit it's got some stuff to like ponder um i guess i have a lot to ponder um yeah, yeah i mean it's not the best movie in the world it's not gonna win an oscar or anything but i i like it a lot it's a good one i'd recommend and it. i think i think if you like this one um I encourage anyone who hasn't seen any of any else, any of Ty West's other films in his catalog um, 
to check him out. I think he's really, he's got uh, like a brash um, kind of prima donna. Like he, I think that comes with the territory being like a younger director and kind of like throwing yourself out there and swinging your dick around. Um, and he's, he's had hit and miss projects. Now he's re- definitely riding a wave. Like we talked about earlier with X and Pearl and Maxine coming out soon, but he's got, I think he's made a solid contribution to horror. He's a fan of horror and um, house of the devil, his first flick, his first proper um, theatrical release is fucking awesome. And I think if you like this, uh, I would encourage you and any others to check out, house of the devil or we can save it for a future episode um i give the edge to that one only slightly for a couple different reasons but like i said it doesn't take away from innkeepers like i don't think it's uh better um per se but yeah i would i would just say it, it bodes well if you like this you would definitely I, I I would feel strongly that you would definitely dig on uh House of the Devil. Um cool. So yeah. Uh we're running a little long here, so let's we're gonna wrap it up. Uh I don't have any news to share or anything. Um colloquialisms. I'm on twelve Vicodins smoking right, on Scooby Doo that. Dick. So that's been <laughs> The innkeepers, the Yankee peddler in. I hope it opens back up. I hope the city's able to get control, wrestle control out of that greedy developer and that it can get back to the state it once was. I'd like to stay there. It looks fucking pretty dope. So looking ahead, we're going to finish out our Halloween jamboree with we're going to finish strong with a crowd favorite or should be a crowd favorite in my mind it's called the midnight hour i'm going to post a link to it to our socials it's actually it's not streaming anywhere but it is in its entirety available for free on youtube lavar burton of all people is in it a super young role it's from 1985 and it really encapsulates like none of these films we've watched for the holiday season have really like tapped into like this is a halloween movie this is a fucking halloween movie people are dressed up in costumes there's monsters there's fucking frankensteins running around zombies it's a lot of fucking fun and we've actually tapped logan to from ghoulish university is going to sit in uh, for that next week for us. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I thought with with like <clears throat> the vibe that she brings, this will be this will be a fun watch, and uh, I think it'll it'll be a, a satisfying uh, end for the Halloween season for us. So that'll release just a few days before Halloween. Um, that'll come out next week, uh, dropping October 26th. So check that out. I'm going to post it to all of our socials where you can find the link on YouTube. But if you just type in the midnight hour, 1985 on Google, YouTube, you'll find it. Uh, it's a really good time. Uh, and it'll, it'll put you right in the mood for that season. So, uh, check it out. Um, in the meantime, if you have any questions, concerns, hate mail, comments of any kind, you can reach out to us at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. Either of our socials, Instagram is at waxingtheporpoise. X, Twitter is at waxingtheporp. Steve Dog, you just posted something in chat. Is that for now or for later? No, that's for you after the fact. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
any final thoughts anything we skipped over any nuggets from this flick or otherwise that you wanted to rap about before we shut her down nope i'd recommend it that's all word yeah i would say actually without it being like explicitly halloween or a halloween horror movie this one taps into like the idea of like ghosts and hauntings and stuff like that so i would highly recommend it for the season uh this is one i always grab for around this time of the year um especially if you if you like that kind of like like ghosts haunted house kind of stuff um and are are aren't gonna shy away from a slow burn um be forewarned uh i think it it's uh it deserve it's deserving of of more love and it's it's not indicative in my opinion and it sounds like steve's of its piss poor rotten tomatoes audience score so give it a shake um and yeah midnight hour from 85 next week uh thanks for joining us and we will see you when we see you and we will see you later what? I'm cold. Here's some matches. Set yourself on fire. <laughs>